Welcome to the Body Grievers Club. This is a podcast aimed to help those who are struggling to make peace with their here and now bodies. I'm your host, Bree, a fat positive body image educator and coach. My goal is to help you feel less alone in your body grief. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of body image, body grief, as you find your way home to your body. Welcome to the club. Hello and welcome back to the Body Grievers Club. Today's guest is an amazing activist, colleague, and personal friend, Vinny Wellsby. So excited to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Oh my God, Bray, I'm so excited to be here with you and talking all things fat. It's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the song. You serenaded me today. Well, you know, it's because I go to I go to singing class, and so um, you know, I just want to show off my singing skills all the time and be super annoying. I'm here for it. But I was telling you, I'm, I'm a little bit of a creep because I have followed all of your work from the beginning of the time. I'm like, you you did this right, and you you did that, and you're like, yep. How <laughs> do you know what the heck? You're so, so in, creepy. In case people live under a rock, tell them all about you who are you it's so funny you know when you say like oh I followed you and stuff I'm like what is it it must be like you and my mum or something you know because I, I find it so funny that people know who I am so what was the question again who am I yeah tell us about it. <laughs> uh, yeah so my name is Avinia Wellsby my pronouns are they them I live in Vancouver Canada which is the ancestral and unceded territory of the Coast Salish people Squamish Slate Salutuk and Musqueam nations I teach people about fat stuff how not to be a raging fat phobe and do like diversity consulting and yeah, I do. I'm like, basically, I'm like you, Brie. Like, but obviously, you're like a, a f- even more fabulous version. And I'm like, <laughs> you have a better accent. <laughs> <laughs> My weird ac- accent. And because and you thought I was from Australia, uh, for the uh, people listening, I am British and Irish and lived in Canada for 13 years. So that's why I sound weird. I, lo- I love it. I, I, I told Vinny, I was like, uh, yeah, the geography is not my strong suit. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Australia's next to Canada and in between Canada and US. So, there you go. You know, we're close. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you are certainly, I'm sure, beyond me and your mom, a, just a beacon of information and a resource for so many people. I, I find that your resources are ones that when I, when like when I watch them or I read them, I'm like, mmm, like it feels like a like not even just like a treat, but like a like a meal. Like every, I'm like, yes, that was some good <laughs> sustenance. And so um can you share with us a little bit about your journey as a fat activist and educator and diversity trainer? Tell us all the things. Yeah, so I used to be the opposite of who I am uh now. I used to hate being fat, thought fatness was uh, gross and icky and, you know, all the normal things that we think about 
uh, our bodies. Well, I think, you know, I say all the normal things because who is it that doesn't get diet culture and fat phobia in the Western world? I mean, uh, (laughs) so I grew up in poverty in the UK and kind of struggled with food insecurity in regards to not having enough food in the house to eat and also diet culture stuff of when there was enough food in the house to eat having mixed feelings about being allowed to eat it because if I ate it then I would be fat and so there's kind of like an added layer of fucked upness around food which was super fun and growing up you know as a teenager because I had a fat body I just presumed that I would probably never have a a romantic partner and you know I'd probably have to have a terrible job and um, all that type of stuff and so by the time I was 17 I was living in a homeless shelter for young people and I thought oh you know what is it that big of a deal? Because, you know, I am fat and fat people don't deserve homes and, da, 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 and um, you know, security or money and blah, blah, blah. And um, and then I met this guy who was uh, 30 years old when I was 17, super creepy, and uh, had a two-year relationship with him in that relationship. You'll have to put a trigger warning on this episode. In that relationship, he abused me. And one of the ways he abused me was starving me. And so that was another layer on the food dupidness and body shame because he was like, you're too fat for me. Uh, you need to lose weight, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. So by the time I was hitting my my 20s, I was just really uh, struggling. And I really, really thought that if I got thin, then I would recover from all my trauma and uh, all of the things that happened when I was younger. And I really, really wanted to get there and did temporarily. But um, yeah, it never, it never stuck. And it wasn't until I saw a message on the internet that it's okay to be fat. And I was like, shut the fuck up. What do you mean it's okay to be fat? No. What? What? What God told me? And there was no turning back for me. I I had this desperate and have this, this longing to just spread the word so that the people who were, you know, similar story to mine, get that message because there's not enough people sharing that message so that we can end all of that agony of trying to become thin. Well, you're, you, you did it because I found your TED talk and your BBC documentary. I found it all. I was like, wow, this is great. And it was that same, like, what? Wait, is it true? <laughs> and what I will say, and this is a good precursor, but my own internalized fat phobia was so great that I was like, mm. okay, but like, what, what about people's health? And like, mm. Like, yeah, like body positivity, but, and that, that was a like really hard turn for me to take. But before, before we, we digress, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story. And I, I think we have very similar tenets of our story where for me, there was that, that mental restriction, right? That mm-hmm. same concept of the food is there, but I'm not allowed to eat it because it'll change my body. Uh, mm-hmm. And the fear that I am unlovable in my fat body. Mm. 
can't even ugh, process what, you know, teenage v- Vinny was experiencing. Um, uh, oh, right. I know. Just want to give him a, a big hug. Um, I know, me too. <laughs> isn't that, I, I find I can be so, I can be so compassionate with my, with my younger self and still working on, on being kinder to my current day self where I'm like, like yeah. how do you not know where Canada and Australia is? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll, for, like, oh, that's okay. Like you didn't know any better to, to, to younger three. So, <laughs> yeah. So my working definition of body grief is the perceived loss associated with the distress that comes with not being able to change your body. And so, you know, when you hear the word body grief, what what does it mean for you and how have you experienced it? Mm, yeah. I just think about in those times where I was uh, – being abused and having a really shit time, I had this little glimmer of hope, a little glimmer of hope that it can be okay. And that glimmer of hope was thinness because if I could be thin, then I could get out of this situation and I could have a, a partner that, that loved me and I could have a, you know, money raining down from the sky and Brad Pitt calling me up on my phone and, you know, all of those <laughs> things that we're told and it helped me survive, you know, and the disordered eating I engaged in helped me survive too. And so I, at the time, needed that. And then when that that was no longer serving me, that kind of pursuit of thinness, letting it go and letting go of the idea that I could be this image in my mind, like I'd see a, a different version of Vinny that was just effortlessly thin and happy and had their shit together. And it's like letting go of hopes and dreams. And it's devastating to let that go. And sometimes you just can't. You're not ready to, right? Because it's just too painful. And I think your, your, your words of grief, body grief, is just nail on the head. This is exactly what it is of coming to terms with this loss, this loss of hope and People do say, oh, don't say that there's no way that we can lose weight because you're, am I just meant to give up hope? And it's, and it's so cruel to be like, well, yeah, <laughs> because really <laughs> that's the truth because it's a lie that have been fed to us, you know. It's almost like the lie of um, Father Christmas or what you call him, Santa Claus, um, you know, is like letting that, if he was imaginary, really? which he was not. What? This is brand no, new he is. <laughs> He is real. Okay, Imagine if he wasn't and you <laughs> let that go. That magic. I was about to be so upset. I know, I know. But it's that, you know, because it's very hard to imagine that Father Christmas isn't real. Um, yeah, it'd be like devastating, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what it what I think about. Such a good, such a good analogy. And so, you know, even with that same idea. So when somebody says to you, like, I'm... Am I supposed to just give up hope? What does hope look like now on the other side of this journey, this grief journey for you? Mm. It looks like instead of searching and seeking, it's kind of like realizing you're already home and not needing to find somewhere else or someone else to be someone else 
to be able to be at home because I already am home. And so hope is putting your feet up and making a nice cup of tea in your body, you know, Mm. and feeling embodied and feeling, feeling good and continuing to do that because, you know, we always have the shit that comes into our brain that makes, you know, make us feel less than like you saying, I don't know where Australia is. Am I, (laughs) am I silly for not knowing that? And maybe later you'll be like, oh my God, maybe Vinny thought that I was like unintelligent. And, and that's in the moment where we can have that, you know, hope that actually, you know, I'm going to give myself some, some compassion and be like, it's not a big deal. Who cares? Yeah. I think whatever it is, that's such a beautiful way to to phrase it because right. There is no reality where you don't look stupid at sometimes or, you know, say the Mm. wrong thing or make a mistake. And there's no world that lives where you're going to make everybody happy and everyone's going to accept you. And that was the, the hope that if I could just exist in a body that was socially acceptable, that no one would have room to say anything about me. And what we know is that that's not true. That's a lie. (laughs) you're right it's just so a fantasy realm of uh, you know you're going to be this perfect human if you have a thin body but Mm. I mean so often we hear about straight-sized people and they're like I hate my life and I I hate my body and I and it's like well how is that possible when you have the quote dream body but you know we know it's possible because they're a human being and it's not a body that makes us happy correct and that's that's why Mm. I'll use the examples of like you know, the Kardashians, I, they hate their bodies. They say mm. that they love them, but why would you try so hard to change something that you love? Mm. Uh, and and I, I think also, too, the definition of, of body love for me is no longer loving what my body looks or feels like, but it is that embodiment that you talked about. And, and I, I just want to put a caveat on for folks who are like, I am not there yet. Like I am still trying to just, you know, <laughs> make space for the discomfort that Father Christmas might not be real. Never mind <laughs> that. Oh, also one of the ways that we grieve is by acknowledging that the thing we've hoped for for our entire life is is not real. It's not, it's never mm-hmm. going to to do the thing that it promised that it would. I want to be mindful of our time. And I feel like probably a question that is so large we won't have time to fully unpack it but as a person with multiple marginalizations mm-hmm. and being fat what what has grief looked like for you in that capacity hmm i guess you know because i'm 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 trans non-binary and the the whole gender stuff and being queer and and thinking about that it's difficult in regards to living in a world that says that there's something wrong with your experience of yourself and also on the flip side of if i hadn't learned about fat phobia and untangled my fat phobia i would have probably never learned about my identities because it was so hidden underneath a shit ton of shame and behaving in a certain way so society could consume me and my body in and it be more appealing to society at large and so I think it's it's really complicated and also really exciting to be able to be in these 
marginalizations of these identities and try and be authentic although it's really hard because sometimes you just want to kind of if someone misgenders you just be like oh it's fine don't worry but you know at the same time being like no I'm here and it's important that I'm I'm visible and and that type of stuff yes absolutely And, and I love allowing your body to do what it's going to do has allowed you to find your true identity. I'm so hopeful that especially in, you know, the Instagram land that people have been loving and supportive. And I will acknowledge that I have improperly uh, pronounced you. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and even, even when, when planning to talk with you, I, I think I wrote, I was like, if I mess up, you call me in. You tell you tell me that I did it wrong because that that is it is the most humanizing thing that we can do is to tell someone your identity matters. Mm. Oh, I tell you, yeah. When someone when someone refers to me as they, I'm like, oh, oh my god, get out! This is so exciting. It's like someone has like called you the wrong name all your life, and then suddenly they know your name, and it's like, yeah, look, that is my name. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, on the, on the internet, it has been great. And it's, it's in real life. When I say real life, I mean, like, you know, when you see people um, day to day, because internet's real life too, but in-person interactions where it can be very difficult because gender stuff is everywhere and people have a lot of anti-trans talking points that they want to use me as the, well, what about this? And what about, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, Ugh. so yeah. So in in on the internet, I'm it, it's a lot nicer and and it's wonderful. And I don't care if someone fucks up, but as long as they're like, oh, you know, I'm I'm sorry to fuck up. Versus, yeah. who cares if I misgender you? Which is what yeah. some people um, do, which yeah. is not fun. Obviously, like you are such a resource of information that, of course, you know, we want to ask and we want to honor your experience because I I don't believe we can talk about fat phobia and we can't talk about your body image story without acknowledging your identity. I, I don't know mm. if we can do that. Um, but yeah, because it's all, t- it's all tied together. Right. And you think about like internalized fat phobia, it was my internalized fat phobia that stopped me from understanding my trans identity because to be a good fat person, I had to be a feminine person. Mm. Um, I had to be a display of gender through like um, wearing skirts and high heels and things like that isn't gender, but it's, you know, how you present yourself. But I was, I was too scared to even explore not being hyper feminine because, well, if I'm going to be fat, I might as well be fat and pretty, uh-huh. fat and long hair, fat and high heels. And as soon as I learned that fat phobia, I was able to be like, fuck it. And I shaved my head and been like, I can be fat and have a bald head. It's okay. Love it. Also, <laughs> yeah. Fuck so. high heels. I don't know. Like, fuck them. Like, why? Why? Like, <laughs> like, Unless you're riding a horse, like, why would you need high heels? <laughs> but no, no shade to people who yeah. like high heels. They look great, but yeah, yeah. Not, not for me. me. No, <laughs> I like I like to walk, and I can't do that. Yes. <laughs> respect to anybody who who does that. We are, I can't, I mean, I can't believe, I mean, I can and I can't, we are already out of time, but good thing I get to go talk to you for another hour in the Body Viewers Club. Where can people find you? Can you tell us? Uh, yeah. 
everyone can find me. I am at Fierce Fatty, so fierce.fatty on Instagram, Fierce Fatty on the internet. My book's called Fierce Fatty, podcast called Fierce Fatty. That's it. Yeah, Fierce Fatty, come find me. Seems like Fierce Fatty is like a really good way for people to come find you. Yeah. Love it. Love it. We will link all of that in the show notes. Vinny, thank Thank you you. so much. You're a rock star. Thank you, Brie. You're a rock star. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Body Groovers Club. This podcast was made possible by my Body Groovers Club membership. If you like what you heard today, you can leave us a review and you can share this episode with all of your friends. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me, check out the link in my bio on my Instagram page at Body Image with Brie or my website at bodyimagewithbrie.com. Thank you again for being here, friends. Until next time. Thank you.